0: Hello, this is Mark Galliotti with another In Moscow's Shadow Cellcast, the little micro-podcasts. And in this case, really being pushed out to both patrons and openly on the day of uh, recording, which is Saturday the 19th of September, as much as anything else out of a deep, deep sense of annoyance. This annoyance is really about some of the commentary that we've already seen emerging on the Navalny poisoning. And particularly... Look, I'm not surprised that we get certain talking points coming from people who are paid by the Russian state or who essentially have made their careers by being convenient to the Russian state. But there's also a more general thread amongst people who I think just simply delight in being contrarian and have an instinctive mistrust of the, and I hate this expression, mainstream media and its narratives. Now, look, I accept there is a lot that is lazy uh superficial caricaturing and sometimes downright russophobic in the standard western discourse but not all of it not all of the time and sometimes things really are what they look like so what i want to do actually is just very briefly tackle what for me have been some of the particularly um striking and annoying talking points which are being deployed precisely to question more And it's no surprise, after all, that that was RT's, and still is RT's motto. But question more. And in the process, start the corrosive approach, which is essentially the Russian approach to information warfare. Not necessarily to try and convince you of an alternative perspective, but to bombard people with so many different theories, alternatives, conspiracy notions and such like, to create the sense of, well, we'll never really know the truth. And obviously the the MH17 case was was the classic example. So in this respect, actually sometimes the questioning, which on the whole I'm all in favour of, can become, to use another buzzword, weaponised. Now, the first one is this notion that it's not in the Kremlin's interest. It's not in the Kremlin's interests to go off to Navalny. And I agree, absolutely, I think it probably isn't. However, first of all, let's not assume that we can necessarily crawl into the deep, dark recesses of Putin's and those close to his minds and souls. They do look at the world in a different way. And one of my suspicions, and again, I'm speaking as someone who his first instinct was to think, wow, this sounds unlikely to be something the Kremlin would do, and I'm now beginning to to change my mind on this, is our notion of the Kremlin's interests is often based on past observation. And I suspect that we are in a point, and this is something I raised in my last podcast, where actually we're witnessing another stage in the the changing mindset, I don't, I'm don't. i trying to avoid the word evolution because that implies something positive. The changing mindset of the Kremlin, as it hunkers down, becomes more defensive, more quite possibly paranoid. But in any case, look, whether or not it, it was something that the Kremlin thought initially was in its interests, whether it was actually initiated by some other power who thought the Kremlin would like it, the Kremlin has chosen to, to back it we shouldn't therefore immediately assume that it regards this as a disastrous problem. Second talking point. Oh, this is just too incompetent. You know, Navalny survived and so forth. Well, this is the interesting thing. Look, we know that the Russians, like men, like every other country, can be deeply, deeply incompetent. And it's an interesting way of marshalling the idea that they, they would always be ruthlessly effective. The key thing is, I think it is clear that whoever carried this out did not imagine for a moment this was going to become an international incident. Think of the contingencies that took place. The flight crew acting so promptly and landing at Omsk. The first responders in Omsk identifying correctly that this looked like a nerve agent poisoning and applying atropine, which is absolutely crucial in making sure that Navalny got through those first moments. And then, of course, the intervention of the charity that offered to fly Navalny to Germany, one, an offer that Putin found it hard to refuse in due course. And that what made it suddenly a truly international incident. One could just as easily see people in, let's say, the FSB or whoever, whoever was planning this, assuming that, in fact, the flight would not be diver- diverted, thinking that by the time that Navalny and the plane got to Moscow, it was going to be too late, or indeed that the doctors would not really know how to respond, or whatever. I mean, certainly, this doesn't suggest high levels of competence, but nonetheless, let's not simply assume that because it looks incompetent, it therefore can't have been done. We've got many, many other cases of incompetence to see. Third of all, and although... The notion is now that it's no longer that the case that Navalny was poisoned in his morning tea at the airport. Nonetheless, it, let me just dwell on that for a moment, because again, some people have been saying, oh, how could they have known he'd have gone to that cafe? How can they have known that he would drink something there? How could they even have managed to get it into his, his cup? Well... I just had a look at the Tomsk airport website and then generally some sort of trip advisor and things. And as near as I can tell, first of all, there is only one cafe at Tomsk. This is, after all, a not very large one-terminal airport. And presumably it wouldn't be too difficult to actually have your own person there. How did they know that he would have a cup of tea? Maybe it's always his practice to do so. But more to the point, look, it could well have just been a contingency. One doesn't know, after all, how many previous attempts at poisoning him where they were thinking, well, maybe, maybe we'll have the opportunity that got passed up. But anyway, as I said, in many ways, this is now a, mo- a moot point because the new narrative is, in fact, that it was in a water bottle in Navalny's own hotel room in which he was poisoned. And again, we have the question, more brigade up. How did they know what room Navalny was in, given that his team are known to book blocks of rooms, don't use his name, and so forth, and essentially carry out whatever operational security they can? Well, first of all, again, the state may well have been able to get past that. Secondly, even if they didn't know in advance which room, unless Navalny's team kept someone there, basically watching the room all the time, once he had actually moved into the hotel room, it would have been relatively easy for someone to move in and either swab an existing water bottle with Novichok or swap it out with a a new one that had been suitably treated. How did they know Navalny would drink from the bottle? Well, they don't. Again, this was probably an opportunistic move. And if this hadn't worked, they'd have tried something else somewhere else at some other time. How did they know that someone else wouldn't drink from the bottle? Honestly, they probably didn't care. We've seen that there is not a great concern about collateral damage. Um, One could even look at what happened, again, after the Skripal case with the dumping of the Novichok that that led to um, the one fatality of that tragedy. And given that, in part, presumably this was also intended to be a warning and a message, actually, if one of Navalny's team had drunk and been affected and died from it, it perhaps wouldn't have been ideal, but it would have still been a message and a warning. So we we really have to be aware of the fact that it's easy to come up with these kind of questions. Then there's also the question of, well, how could Navalny's team get, get at the bottles? Why weren't this, wasn't this all sort of sanitised quickly? Well again, in hindsight, I'm sure whoever did it wishes that they had gone in and quickly cleared out the relevant bottle. Remember, of course, though, that doing that carries with it a risk that you actually get caught in the hotel bedroom or seen going into it or whatever, and actually getting caught in the the cover-up, which, as we know from Watergate, can sometimes be more problematic than the case itself. And again... It may well be, if they didn't think that Navalny's situation would become known, if they thought the plane was not going to be being diverted to Omsk, there was no rush. They could wait until the time for regular housekeeping and then clear away the bottle with everything else. So, you know, again, I can posit counter-scenarios just as easily as other people can raise questions. We can all play this game. When it comes down to it, the thing is that This is, yes, quite possibly a shoddily organised activity. But when it comes down to it, if you are going to question more, you also have to be willing to accept that you have to posit alternative scenarios that are at least equally plausible. Otherwise, Occam's razor comes in and you simply have to say, look, you go for the simplest and most obvious explanation. So what are the alternative scenarios that this was some kind of PR job that Navalny poisoned himself to embarrass the Kremlin? Well, that's ludicrous because, frankly, nerve agents are very, very dangerous things, and you can't really carefully titrate. So it'll just give you a certain level of treatment. You know, this is a guy who has ended up being in a coma for two weeks. Or do you follow the Dmitry Kislyov line that this was clearly some kind of CIA or MI6 provocation? Maybe actually we ought to to blame the Brits because, you know, as we all know now, the Americans are the ones busy stirring up the the crisis in Belarus. So so they're busy. So let's give give this one to the Secret Intelligence Service. Well, again, all of the various caveats apply multiple times. If you're going to say that somehow a foreign intelligence agency knew well enough to get in there, poison just the right bottle in just the right room, get away without anyone being the wiser. I mean, this is the realm of spy movies, not realities. Or do you accept the notion that was implied by presidential spokesman Dmitry Peskov when he said, well, all we know is that Navalny didn't have Novichok when he left Russia? implying that somehow the Germans did it, and certainly a lot of attention was given to the fact that it was a Bundeswehr, an army ambulance, that took him away to hospital. Really? I mean, of all the things that one can say about the Germans these days, I don't think ruthless Machiavellianism really, particularly of the murderous secret intelligence sort, really comes into it. So, here's the situation. Yes, of course, we should always be willing to question authority. We should always be willing to question what seem to be the easy answers, and the ones particularly that go with the grain of our own assumptions and above all prejudices. However, that also has to be tempered with a degree of realism and a willingness to accept that actually just because sometimes the apparent answer is false, it doesn't mean it always is. The whole point about the Russian campaign of information, or disinformation, or misinformation, it's usually a mix of all three, is precisely that, as I said before, they are not necessarily trying to convince people of an alternative answer. It is rather that they are just simply trying to remove any kind of sense that there can be any answer. And that is paralyzing. So, yes, it sounds as if I'm saying question-less and in a way I am. Question when there are real grounds to question, but at other times sometimes we have to take the simplest answer, which is yes, we do not know for certain who poisoned Navalny, but nonetheless, A, it is clear that he was poisoned, B, by all accounts, and this is not just something that merely the German government is saying, by all accounts it was some particularly slow acting and new agent from the Novichok family, which makes it increasingly unlikely it could be anyone other than someone who has access to Russian state poison laboratories. And thirdly, that the Kremlin has rushed to cover up. It hasn't even pretended to try and launch a serious investigation. And so, even if it didn't initiate it, it has chosen retrospectively to both bless and obscure it. Those are the realities. And by all means, let's not assume that everything we are told is right. But on the other hand, let's also not lose track of what is the most logical, depressingly so, but logical answer. That Navalny was poisoned and that implies that there has been a shift, a change in the Kremlin's mindset and in what it regards as acceptable activity within its own bounds. Anyway, end of my rant. Thank you very much for listening as ever, and hopefully, next time it'll be a full length podcast. Take care and watch out for the water bottles. <laughs>